right, Father Jonathan, here we are. Here we are again. 27th? No, 28th. 28th. Today was the 27th, and I got to preach in English and Spanish again. Oh, yeah? You like doing that, huh? I do. I got to tell you, it's it's actually very nice for me to... It's a little bit of a test, kind of, to figure out if I can like say the same thing again in a different language. Mm-hmm. Um, and I listened back on both of those homilies. I recorded both of them and put them on the YouTubes. Uh, and they were pretty close. Like, they were pretty pretty <laughs> good, pretty close. One of them was about 20 seconds longer than the other for some reason. Mm, are you um, still getting longer? No, actually, <laughs> quite the opposite. Quite the opposite. I'm back into my sweet spot. I hit 7.30 nice. uh, for both of them, basically. Nice. Um, which I thought was great. And I felt like I wasn't speaking quickly. I felt like I was... Like, I listened back, and I was like, oh, my God, speak faster. <laughs> it's, like, so slow. Um, but, no, I felt like I made some really good points. And I got to tell you, what, our conversation last week was very helpful because I I really ended up focusing on what we were saying about, like, uh, carrying each other's crosses. Like, that's what mm-hmm. makes marriage, you know? Mm-hmm. And so to be a suitable partner is to be willing to carry the cross of another person. And I even said in my English homily, like, if you're trying to find the right spouse – Ask yourself, is this person willing and able to carry my cross with me? If not, they're not yeah. suitable for me, Boom. you know? Boom. Um, and that it's not about finding the perfect spouse, but about finding perfection with a spouse that is going to carry your cross with you, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, no, it was good. And I got to tell you just one, one quick uh, nod to our conversation last week. And also, it, it showed up in my, in my homily. Uh, and I was talking to someone li- that listens to the show uh, that they appreciated uh, how we were talking about violence in the home as not justification for carrying your cross. Like, that's not the same thing, you know? Yeah, um, right. Like, like a disordered, uh, violent relationship is not the same thing as just endure suffering, right. you know? Right, right. Um, so I, men- I did mention that. I nodded to it. I didn't dwell on it because I don't really, f- like, it's kind of a cul-de-sac that it's going to, it's hard to get out of that one, you know, um, in a <laughs> homily. So I'm going to I'm gonna just mention it. And so I did, you know, and... And it was good. I, I was very happy with the homily. It ended up being very, very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, one of the guys, uh, a friend of ours, Jesuit friend of ours, um, we, he he and I and a couple other Jesuits have a group text, uh, ongoing text thread. And he was asking, you know, like, does anybody have any help for this week's, because these readings are all, he's going to preach in front of a bunch of college kids. It's like, okay, yeah. well, what the heck do you say? And I was like, well, aha, uh-huh, I have a link for you. <laughs> oh, good. So good. I, sent him, I sent him the link and then just kind of briefly talked about you know, pretty much what we what we were what we talked about in terms of um, broadening it out, not getting too lost in the weeds with marriage do's and don'ts, because that's really not what right. this is about. Uh, and to look at relationships and right relation and how we live in that constant tension. Um, and he was like, "That's incredible! I'm going to do that." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Tell him also to hit that subscribe button. That's right. That's right. Pass <laughs> our link around to those kids. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> It was. I, I was actually super grateful, not to like pat ourselves on the back too much, but I was very grateful for the conversation because had I just faced these readings by myself, I would have been really intimidated by, you know, do I need to talk about divorce, you know, in front of a group of people who probably, you know, half the congregation is mm-hmm. either coming from a broken home or is itself, you know, right. in a broken marriage. Um, but yeah, no, and actually one last thing that I'll just say about that. I, as I was preparing today, I had the, the advice of a friend of mine who said to stop being afraid of just preaching preaching the gospel. Hmm. Like if the gospel is hard, the gospel is hard. Like that's and the, if the gospel is hard then that's hard that's a hard saying of Jesus and yeah. you know. Well, that's a uh, that's actually a pretty good segue into what I was 
what I've been feeling for these, how I've been vibing with these readings. Okay. Uh, this second reading, man, quite literally cuts to the cuts to the bone. Okay. From Hebrews. Yeah, the word of God is living and effective, sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating. Mm. Like I've talked, we've talked about this before, and it's something that I really do think about quite often. You know, it, in in so far as the way that we tend to try to, I don't think we actively try to diminish the gospel, but we try to, and you know, under the the pretense of trying to be relevant and you know what whatever, we try to bring in a lot of. Um, contemporary news or, you know, whatever. Yeah. And it's kind like, of taming the let's, gospel. yeah, let's try to actually, cause if this isn't true, if the gospel doesn't cut you right down to the marrow, yeah, then are we actually reading it <laughs> and internalizing it and allowing it to change us? You know, no, a yeah, lot like yeah. this, this man in, in our first reading or in our gospel reading, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. what's actually going on here? No, totally, totally. And, you know, I think the, the gospel reading that we had on divorce is a clear example of that. Like, it does cut straight to the heart, and it is divisive, you know, and it's clear divisive, but we try to tame Jesus, you know? Yeah. Um, like, Jesus is just an all-welcoming, you know, guru that doesn't hate anybody, doesn't, you know, destroy anything, and, and just accepts and welcomes everyone as they are. And it's like, well, that's kind of true, maybe, but it also <laughs> needs to cut to the heart. Like, yeah. everyone is... A Pharisee and everyone is a Roman and everyone is a sinner and everyone is a disciple in the sense of like we can all fit into all these categories at different points in our lives as Christians and so if the Word of God is not challenging us we're not really reading it yeah yeah it's amazing for the for this um, for this gospel story the rich official and quite frankly a lot of similar ones uh, the similar ones in the other synoptics I okay 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 maybe this is just a me thing <laughs> but a lot of the time we read parables like this or stories like this and it's like oh that poor rich man how how sad that he couldn't actually live up to what jesus wanted from him right it's like no man that man is you <laughs> yeah exactly exactly <laughs> that no, man sure, is me for sure <laughs> so okay so uh, tying on that for a second for um for a gospel for a gospel like this unlike the one that we had on divorce it's so wonderful because it's a story that we can put ourselves into the scene. Like, I think mm-hmm. you can preach a gospel like that about us being the rich young man, being the rich official. Um, like, your whole homily could hinge on that uh, that kind of hypocrisy that we externalize and put onto this character. But it's like, no, 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 like, that man is you. You know, like, how much of your life is the Lord asking you to sacrifice you know, to cut away, but we say no, you know, and we say that we just do the bare minimum, you know, of, of what's asked of us. Um, so anyway, I think that these kinds of Gospels are a lot easier to preach, at least for me, because they, they engage my imagination a lot. Yeah, for sure. It's also interesting for you to bring up the bare minimum, because what I love about this, and Jesus does this in other places, he kind of layers on what he's asking of us. <laughs> it's like, okay, here's what you do, Okay, you've done that. Great. Here's the next step. Okay, great. Here's you're lacking one thing still. Do this. Do that. The other. Yeah. Uh, like I think we forget that that it is kind of that that layering effect. Yeah. What Jesus is telling this man to do first and foremost is to follow the commandments. <laughs> do that. Period. Okay, right. great. We're we're living the good life. I mean, this is to to jump on you know, Ignatian spirituality, like we've got to be able to progress through the different stages through the, through the weeks. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. You're no longer, um, 
needing the the rules for the first week. Okay, let's look at the rules for the second week, kind of a thing. Yeah, uh, and I think we f- can forget that, and we only look at well, sell sell everything, give and give to the poor. Like that's the one thing. It's like that's oh, not yeah. the one thing that Jesus is asking you to do. <laughs> right, that's the one. <laughs> if thing you've lacking. done all these other things, and if you're at this particular place in your life where you you know, et cetera, et cetera. But like, yeah, it's fascinating how we do that, how that happens. Yeah, yeah, we jump straight to the that hardest one, you know? Now, yeah. So I, th- I think in, like, in a traditional interpretation of the states of life, like, I think different theologians will read, you know, like, there's the state of the commandments and the state of the councils. And so, like, everyone is called to keep the commandments, but only some are called to live hmm. uh, evangelical poverty, you know, mm-hmm. and to live the, the evangelical councils of poverty, chastity, and obedience. And so this is a classic text for that, that d- Jesus does set up, like, two different ways and two different paths of discipleship. Those who are called to just do the commandments, which is everybody, but then some who are called to go further, you know, into a next step. Like, you've mastered, you know, the commandments, not in the sense that you'll never fall again, but in the sense of, like, I'm inviting you to a deeper commitment, which is to a life of radical poverty, chastity, and obedience, which is what, like, you could see with the rich young man. But I appreciate, like, the way you're saying it is like a layered pedagogy that the Lord is inviting us to go through a phase of mastery of self through the Ten Commandments, but then it becomes a giving of self completely in these evangelical councils that we're called in that depth of discipleship and, and giving of ourselves mm-hmm. to do that as the next step. But, like, don't start at the end of the story. Like, if you haven't mastered the commandments, then, <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? And I think that there are some of us who say, like, well, the commandments are sort of like, Actually, you know, you see this a lot is in examinations of conscience. A lot of people are like eschewing the commandments as a way to examine their consciences. They're like, actually, no, that's so like pre-Vatican II. Hmm. Like, why don't you examine your conscience with the Beatitudes instead? It's like, well, but like the fact that you want to like eschew the commandments probably means that you should examine your conscience with yeah, them. Yeah, there's know? usually, there's something there probably for sure. For yeah, sure. yeah. But kind of to your point that like there's a progress in the spiritual life that you don't let go of the commandments, but they, they're built on, you know, with mm-hmm. evangelical poverty and it's going deeper, you know, but we don't want to just jump into that without having gone through first walking and crawling, you know? Yeah. I love how Jesus uh, repeats himself in this, in this, uh, in our gospel for today or for Sunday. Uh, how hard is it for those to have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? So the disciples were amazed. So Jesus again said to them in reply, children, <laughs> how hard yeah. is it to enter the kingdom of God? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I kind of imagine him saying this in a Samuel L. Jackson voice. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's good. That's good. That's good. I like that. I mean, because can, it I mean, is, I mean, shocking, shocking news. And for us to like actually understand, and they don't understand. And that's the, that's the other beautiful thing. Like, again, we want to focus on this young man that goes away sad. It's like, oh, well, how sad. At least the disciples are there that know what's going on. Nope. <laughs> right. Because he right. has to repeat himself here as well. Uh, right. That's good. They were That's exceedingly good. astonished. He says again, then who can be saved? Like, it, it, it keeps going on. Like, Right, right. It keeps getting layered and layered with more astonishment, and Jesus sort of doubles down, keeps doubling down. Yeah. Um, no, it's good. Hey, really quick, just to pivot, I, uh, one of the things that I wrote down when we first uh, were reading these is uh, your, your insistence on maybe at some point preaching on Ignatian rules of discernment or Ignatian spirituality. Like, there is, with what you were mentioning with the letter to the Hebrews, there's the word discernment is there, right? Discerning reflections and thoughts of the heart, the, like the word of God mm-hmm. is living and effective to penetrate the heart, to help us discern. And this gospel reading from, uh, from Mark is a really good example of, 
you know, like attachment and letting go and discipleship. So you can fit in some Ignatian themes here, I think, very explicitly, you know. Oh, for sure. Um, And I think the first reading lends itself to that as well. I prayed and prudence was given me. I pleaded and the spirit of wisdom came to me. I preferred mm. one thing to another. (laughs) Riches, not poverty, not riches. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like there's some very, yeah, very clear parallels um, to, and that's what I love about Ignatian spirituality is that it offers that kind of methodology. Like here's how we look at the world and how we are interacting in the world and how we can discern our way through these sometimes seemingly conflicting uh, spirits. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, one thing I, I as you were reading that uh, from the first reading, one thing I, I, I think I might want to preach on is the simplicity of that first line, the first two lines, the first two words of the first line. I prayed mm-hmm. uh, and like having a whole homily about like, let hold on. Let's stop for a second. Like, how many of us can say that? <laughs> i prayed (laughs) yeah like how many of us actually here pray like everyone close your eyes and like raise your hand if if you spent time this morning in prayer you know like like everything from here on out in these readings begins with that is i prayed and what prudence was given to me and then you can jump to hebrews and it's like i prayed with the word of god because it's living and effective and it cuts to my heart it penetrates me praying with scripture you know and then like what is scripture but like contemplating Jesus who speaks to me and tells me to give up everything and to follow him. Like you could have a whole, like a whole homily here around, like what does it mean to pray and praying with scripture? It's like entering into the dynamic of this scene and letting Jesus tell you this, you know? Um, I don't know. You could do that. Yeah, absolutely. And think about that second line. Then I pleaded, what is the one thing that a rich man will never do? (laughs) Yeah. He'll never never plead for anything. He'll never beg for anything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, good. there's something really powerful there. Hmm. We never yeah, really so think about the the letter, uh, the Book of Wisdom. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. I mean, last time we read it for a couple of weeks ago, we were both confused because it was <laughs> the it was the uh, the foolish ones who say, you know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, that's good. That's good. Um, what else you got? Is there? Oh, actually, one of the things I was thinking about to uh, go in a different direction a little bit, um, just to signal that nobody has given up. Uh, father or mother, children or lands, for the sake of the gospel, and not received a hundredfold. Um, like, there's something important there to signal, like, in my own experience, that that's true, literally. Like, you and I both gave up our family lives, you know, to follow the Lord into religious life, but you and I have met many wonderful mothers who cook for us a mm-hmm. lot, and wonderful fathers who are willing to, you know, take us into their homes and, and let us let us hang out with their children and all that. So, like, you and I have given up a ton, and the Lord has repaid us in many different ways, beautiful ways, you know? Yeah. Um, could you go anywhere in that in that topic? Is that related to the previous yeah. stuff? Or? No, absolutely. You know, there's this wonderful image that, I've, that I bring up quite often in spiritual conversations with people, um, and especially during a time like, like Lent or even with, uh, with readings like this when it seems like Jesus is asking us to give up so much, uh, you know, to give up everything. And follow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, like, think about what we know about God, that God is literally limitless. <laughs> God mm-hmm. is infinite. God en- en- encapsulates everything. And so when you're limiting yourself by the illimitable, <laughs> what does that actually mean? It means you're opening yourself up to everything. Exactly, exactly. And yeah. so I think that's the key way to understand this, is to truly have this, you know, and, okay, 
maybe this is going is going too much into like an intellectual exercise, but but I think it's worth us as teachers to teach people about because I think it really does help. Yeah. That when that when we speak about and Ignatius writes about this uh, when he talks about the vows, there of uh, poverty is the freedom to do this, chastity is the freedom to do this, right? And so being limited by giving all of these things up, just as you say, is opening ourselves to so much more yeah. uh, that we couldn't even imagine. Like it's, it's, it's so incom- incomprehensible to what that could even possibly entail that at the mere thought of it, like this rich man, uh, my face will fall and I'll be sad. Yeah. But my yeah. hope, and this perhaps ties into that first reading, is that through prayer, if I actually do that, if I actually plead at the foot of the cross, then that sadness will turn to joy, you know, to use mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. phrase. Uh, right. And that conversion experience will happen. Like, I think that's yeah. li- the living of the gospel. It's not just not being, you know, not being sad or not being like that guy. It's like, no, be that guy. <laughs> be that man who is sad so that right. you can turn your heart towards Jesus. Yeah. And I think, you know, the way that I'm starting to crystallize in my head about how I would link, there, there seems to be two major themes here. One that I, I'm finding myself drawn to is the one about prayer, maybe doing a catechesis of prayer, you know, how to pray, like the fruits of prayer, imaginative prayer, all that, you know, cutting to the heart, the word of God, praying with scripture. And then the other one is discipleship and like the kind of discipleship that's asked of someone who is making progress in the spiritual life is one of giving up much so that he may receive much from the Lord, you know? Um now, I think the way that those two things connect in my, in my mind right now is that the encounter that he ha- and I think that's kind of what you're driving at a little bit, is that the encounter that the rich young man has that is the occasion for his conversion is an encounter of prayer, because, and the line that's important to me, is I would summarize all of Christian prayer as Jesus looks at him, loves him, and Boom. says to him, "Yep, that's prayer. Prayer is Jesus yep. looking at me, loving me, and speaking to me. <laughs> so yeah. like it and that's the impetus for his like moment of conversion if he decides to do so yeah. you know and so if i were to like summarize christian prayer in one line it would be that jesus looking at me loving me and speaking to me mm-hmm. that's christian prayer it's nothing about me it's all about him right. you know right yep boom yeah it's funny you know I, I i typically will shy away from um certainly this version and focus on the lucan version where the rich official doesn't go away and Jesus talks directly to him about this kind of theology of wealth. Uh, I just really uh, am drawn to that imagery of like this this man, he's hurting, he's sad, whatever, but he just stands his ground and is willing to hear the hard truth. But I think there's value in this this other image of going away. Like Jesus does that all the time, to go away, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, to go pray, to go sit with, to go pray, yeah, to plead perhaps even. Like these new emotions that are coming up for the rich. It's like you need time to process that. Right, right. Well, actually, that's an interesting way of looking at it because I uh, I hadn't thought about it as like going away sad. And now an invitation while you're away to process what you felt. Yeah. I thought it more in terms of like even with prayer, like how many of us go away sad because because Jesus doesn't talk to us, you know, in prayer. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't I don't hear the voice of God and so I just right. stop praying, you right. know. Um, no, yeah, there's something there. There's something there. Um, yeah, anyway, let's just let's wrap it up and see, like, is there a parting thought that you could maybe try to tie some of this together for you? Yeah, you know, as you're talking, I think I think it really is another opportunity to 
to get into some really awesome discernment talk um, mm. and like get into what does it mean? What is the word? First of all, Hebrews, what is the word of God? Do we actually believe that it's living and effective in our life right now? <laughs> yeah. And then mo- go from there. I think that's a really great. Now, obviously, that's that's. Uh, yeah, you can go on and on and on and on about that, but I think yeah. having it very concrete and really maybe even just focusing on, yeah, do you pray? Do I pray? <laughs> right, right. This yeah, word of God is living is, and effective, right. and I still right. don't pray. What the heck? <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. That's good. All right, cool, buddy. Well, with that, people should go pray. All right, pal. All right, man. Peace out.